Hello, hello, I'm Edith Bowman and it's great to have your company on this week's Play Next, created in partnership with BMW. If it's your first time, well, welcome. And if you've been enjoying the music I've been playing and the guests we've been having on from Hans Zimmer and Giles Peterson to Roro and Juanita Stein, then welcome back. Now, don't forget you can subscribe and I'll appear as if by magic every Wednesday morning. This week, you'll hear me chatting to Skin from iconic 90s-born rock group Skunkanansi. I'll also be speaking with the utterly genre-fluid creative force that is Natty Wala. But let's start with the first of three tunes that I'm very keen for you to know about this week. So, picture a man in New York with an ever-changing coloured bowl cut. Thick-rimmed glasses, heavy eyeliner and big, bright clothing looking effortlessly cool. Well, that, my friends, is Gus Dapperton. He's been called music's latest dreamboat and this is medicine.
is a massive song. Gus Dapperton with Medicine. It's one of those songs that just conjures up so much emotion in me. I want to cry with joy. It's very special. I think he's an incredibly exciting talent. If, like me, you want to listen to that again and again and again, well, let me remind you that all the music we play here on Play Next is available for you to listen back to on its own special playlist. All you need to do is search BMW UK on Spotify and click Play Next. The Gus Darperton track is there and so is this next song by Mizey. Now, Mizey started out singing and playing the piano. And as with most artists who are on a bit of a music musical journey, we see, or should I say hear her, moving into a wonderfully warm and deeply soulful territory. This is her latest track, Bones. I never would have said that I could face, but now I'm enraged. Feel like I'm a parrot in a cage with what's to say, but now it's too late. Conversations never seem to end, counting from then. It's obvious that me and you pretend we made amends back here again. Maybe I'll hide my head inside as I was slipped through my hands. Homes, all that's meant to be. These bones, rest everybody be. I'm not out of time. The clock's ticking in my mind. The brain is shining. The clock's ticking all the homes.
we're only two tracks in. This is a very good start, isn't it? That was Bones from Mizey. Such texture to her voice. Really using the instrumentation of it with that track. I love it. You're listening to Play Next. Now, shortly I'll be speaking to Skin from Skunk and Nancy about music's relationship with social change. And in just one track's time, I want to introduce you to a true creative and social powerhouse. His name is Natty Weiler. But first, I think a bit of Swedish neoclassical electronic multi-instrumentalism wouldn't go amiss. And the man to give us that is Peter Sandberg. Now, you may have heard his music if you watched the third series of Stranger Things, but either way, you're in for a treat. This track featuring Henry Green is called Pine Trees. featuring Henry Green with Pine Trees. Minimalist beauty right there. This is Play Next, brought to you in partnership with BMW with me, Edith Bowman. 
Two more tracks still to come, but time now for the first of two wonderfully insightful conversations I'd like to share with you this week. Now, it's very hard to describe the musical influences of Natty Wyler. He's been shaped by punk, jazz, dub, reggae, and a whole lot more. And he's taken elements of all of those into his own music whilst still sounding utterly fresh and original. He's one of those artists who's not only a great storyteller, but creates real sonic imagery around his music. And he isn't afraid to tackle social issues head on in his lyrics. It's always a real joy when you get to talk to an artist who has something to say. Here is Natty Wyler. Natty, thank you so much for sparing the time to chat to us today. Right. Oh man, I love your music. Do you mind if we talk about kind of finding your voice and getting to that point of of knowing how you wanted to make music and the type of music that you wanted to make and what inspired that? Finding my voice. Well, I guess if we take it back to when I first started writing lyrics, um, I guess I was just emulating what I was listening to, um, which was, I guess, quite a lot of East Coast American stuff. Just young, I guess growing up with like in the era of listening to like 50 Cent and Eminem as one of our first CDs and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. along with all the Jamiroquai CDs and uh, <laughs> Busted and them things there. <laughs> That's a good uh, mix. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that was kind of what was going on. But I guess like 50 Cent was a, a, like on and repeat a lot. Ludicrous, actually. Lots of that kind of stuff anyways. And then I guess around the age of 13, 14, growing up in London, there was obviously a lot of like grime was a, a big thing, like mm-hmm. the happening movement. So a lot of ciphers in the playground and stuff. Um, but I was never really in them, but was always listening. Yeah. And UK hip-hop was quite a big influence for me as well. So, like, people like Jess, you know, Klasnikov, all of them. So I guess when I started writing, that was kind of the mix of what I was emulating. And that was around the age of 13, 14. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, stuff started happening in my life and it started to become a really good way to process things and just writing kind of helped. Was it a good way of saying things then in a way that you couldn't normally have a conversation almost it was like definitely yeah yeah it was stuff that I was it was almost like a conversation with myself in a way did you find it easy to be so honest yeah but I think also there's there's a part of it where there's there's often an element of there being a a positive yeah not always but just something that helps you to see the bigger picture and break it down and give it imbue it with some sort of sense of like moving forward yeah. whereby I'm not always able to do that in everyday life, but through the process of writing, it helps. Well, it's almost kind of because you can slightly remove yourself from it slightly because you're almost storytelling in a way, because mm. I think you're an amazing storyteller. Thank you, yeah. I guess that is what it is. Yeah, you, you're able to somewhat remove yourself from from the situation and see it from a step back, and yeah, yeah which helps. Um I want to talk about a couple of specific tracks, if that's all right. Yeah, please do. Who Am I, I think is is amazing. There's a great line in there where it's like, I don't watch postcodes, mm. you know, I see your soul first. And I think that's such a lovely sentiment. So can you talk a little bit about Who Am I and, and writing that and what you wanted that song to kind of say and yeah. resonate? It came from quite a angry place, I guess, of feeling discriminated against in, in subtle ways and less subtle ways. So, yeah, I guess to do with identity and not really being fully sure of what my identity is, but then having having a certain idea put upon me 
yeah. which I don't even resonate with. You talk about kind of discrimination. I'm assuming that that's a kind of personal experience of that. Well, yeah, um, you know, like my mum's from China, my dad's from Scotland, but which part? Glasgow, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know about your Scottish roots. Yeah, which is yay. Yeah, shouts out all the all the Glaswegians <laughs> and all the, the Firths, but yeah, Bonnie or Scotland. <laughs> so that 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 in itself kind of you're always othered by what is clearly different about you, and like, like no one's discriminating me from my Scottish heritage. Which which could happen, you know, you know, England and Scotland have had a history, so like, yeah, it's not out of the question. But I mean, you know, you're, I'm quite obviously different. I have features on my face that delineate me from someone that doesn't have these features. So yeah, just being othered and growing up, realizing that you're different. So I'm sure a lot of people can um, relate to that, which is a good thing. But I guess yeah, it's just my personal first-hand. Anger against being discriminated, yeah, who am I? Uh, living in fables, probably from another place elsewhere. Fate done, taking all my loved ones elsewhere. Cried so much, I left for fisher in my welfare. Call this pank, stand, smash, self care. Uh, gargling the booze, I ask my mood, why I'm looking for my health. I just don't know, I'm like, who am I? 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 With four siblings, mm. be- it's almost like it's real poetry, I think, the lyrical content in four siblings. You know, and it feels like kind of having a conversation with, with a number of people in this as well. And yeah, beautifully poetic. Do you mind talking a little bit about four siblings? Yeah. So my mum had four miscarriages and it's kind of like an ode to what they could have been, but also mainly to to my chosen family hmm. and yeah it's definitely got a melancholic element to it but it's it's more just like a a reaffirming shout to what I have and to what I could have had but more just like appreciating what you do have I mean I'm happy with with my sisters and brothers that I have now so yeah what do they think of what you're doing? What do they think of your music? I mean, yeah, they're they're one of the main reasons why I make it. They'll they'll be the ones that are at the shows and I kind of do it for them as much as there's other people and there's a whole world out there, you know, it's for them because yeah. they're, they're the people that count. To my four siblings that were never born, I miss them but I never, I never met them so I didn't know because I got some siblings now. New life, new life, oh yeah, can we get along? New life, new life, oh yeah, finna get it on. Going back to that lyric of um, I don't watch postcodes, yeah. where did you grow up? In northwest London in Camden, Kentish Town. How much did the kind of environment you grew up in kind of inform not just the music that you listened to, but the music that you have gone on to make, do you think? I guess specifically in my area, there was, you had like, I feel like that that's, that's where I feel like grime might have been one of the last musical movements that I that I can think of that was able to behave pre-internet in a way because now that the internet is is a thing it's hard for like movements to have incubation periods whereby they they're able to like grow underground you get kind me? of rumbling exactly yeah. yeah so like in that in that sense like you, whatever area you were in you would have your local 
your local tunes from people that were local to you, fed to you through Bluetooth networks, and it was all like that was kind of the way it was happening. That's really interesting thought though about the idea of there not being, you know, of, of musical scenes not really being allowed. A, I like the way you put it, like an incubation period. That's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about that before. Mm, I, it's easy to like look back in rose tinted glasses. I think I'm guilty of yeah. doing that a lot with a lot of things, yeah. but. There's there's obviously a lot of positives to do with how the internet has democratized music and it's mm. it's it's allowed a lot of a lot of people to just beeline towards the audience without having a sort of board of people nitpicking what what's good and what isn't. You can just get it straight in raw and direct to people and that's that's amazing. So yeah, yeah. but um musically growing up wherever you grow up in your environment's gonna shape the way that you are completely as a person, let alone what you make as your music. Yeah. The um, you also like in terms of the kind of visual side of it as well. The kind of you're fully involved in that side of it. You know, being a graphic designer as well. Yeah. And and so is that important for you as well to kind of alongside your your ability as a you know as a musician and a and an artist and a lyricist to to kind of have that whole kind of you know that that whole package is is your vision and is your creation in a way. Yeah, I think I'm I'm a very visual person. Like when I hear stuff, I see things, and I don't know. You can get a bit megalomaniac with it all, and I don't really <laughs> want to ha- like be doing everything forever. But I think <laughs> yeah. being able to, yeah, being able to set the foundations and you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you know, that's another form of expression. And I think, I don't know, I think nowadays everyone does a bit of everything and whether they're jack of all trades or not, it's great to, like, push push yourself into places that are not necessarily comfortable yeah. for you. Um, we're going to play Cinders as well. Tell us a little bit about that track. Yeah, Cinders. Um, in the same way I was saying, I see stuff when I hear it. Um, I just, I just, it took me to that place and I kind of built a little world in the forest, which definitely has some parallels to like city life as well. But it, it was just about like exploring that world. And yeah, Cinders is direct from, from some murky forest land somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> some mythical forest land. So yeah. Oh, I'm there. Take me to the mythical forest now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, listen, it's it's a real treat to to get the chance to kind of talk to you and thank you so much for uh, for sparing the time and just really thoroughly impressed by what you're doing and loving loving hearing it. It's just beautiful. Thank thanks, you. Natty. Yeah, well, lots of love and thanks for having me. Nice. Cheers, one. mate. Yeah, love. An absolute treat to talk to Natty Weiler, and here he is with his new track, Cinders. Doesn't sleep. Cause the forest doesn't sleep. Crackling and 
twigs and it snapping and things. You know the forest doesn't sleep. Charge my dreams in these moon rays Well I ain't slept for a few days A health is priority Life is reality Another night spent dulling pains By the gallon she acts like she's smitten Tickle skins with the talons Bleed lust for the sultry eyes siren Shame it ain't love it's just desiring Yeah this Tiring like Sisyphus, rolling up the boulder while I'm climbing. Still Jack and Jill tumbling, fate's cars fumbling. 52 picking up the piece of past lumber me with my tongue stumbled and slipped like Fred whisperings. Still, I'm more younger, yeah. Battle with my animus and anima, I'm shushing them. Raggle man, I'm mashing in an animal and bushing them. Sparking up the tush and peg on a bed of violence. I'm lying with my eyes slit, tire blow the kiss to your violence. Like welcome to the spiral, looking at behind you. Nothing's there, just here. Spirits in the cinders. I see the sirens, yeah, they're smiling with their eyes on you. Prophets mumbling dishonesty. Crackles from the embers, leave an amber glow. Cicadas, yeah, they follow me. This trying to bother me or nothing but this fire and smoke. War with a rainstorm caught in this maelstrom. Voice in the town and probably maybe is what I tell them. Picking them around and spin the arrow where it lands on and I'll trail on. Setting self from out of alcove. Long days and dark nights, what I count on. And through the depths, the light beckons from the mountains. Beside the light beacons. Fountains underneath us, feel aquatic and anaesthetized. Fighting for my feeling, kneeling numb between my feet and fires. The compass glass splintered as it meets my eyes. I'm needing guidance. Tide licks, shudder, boat rocking side to side. And in my mind, yeah, I'm thinking it's where the ride ends. Ah. Seagulls cry, hope through my closed eyes Wave like a golem hand, smashing through the boat side Ropes fly, laughing like the nine towels Drag me under down like nose diving cold flies Tangling my limbs now I might as well just swim down Great deluge relinquishing our sins I'm thinking all these things Either sinking or your swim But fate is handing me the dots Time to flow around, yeah Like welcome to the spiral Looking at behind you Nothing's there, just here Spirits in the cinders I see the sirens, yeah, they're smiling with their eyes on you Prophets mumbling dishonesty Crackles from the embers leave an amber glow Cicadas, yeah, they follow me Just trying to bother me with nothing but this fire and smoke There's a real timelessness to that track from Natty. That's Cinders. You're listening to Play Next with me, Edith Bowman. Now, if you only recently discovered us, please do subscribe and do check out the earlier episodes too because who knows? Your new favourite artist might be hiding inside any one of them. I've got another great new track for you shortly, but first, I'd like you to think about music and its incredible power to help society change. It's safe to say music performs many roles in our lives, but perhaps the most important role is its ability to empower us. The right mix of lyrics, vocals and instruments can evoke strong emotions, give voice to outsiders and connect wildly different people under the same banner, making music and social change the perfect pair. So what is it about music that's so good at giving an outlet for many who feel their voice might not otherwise be heard? I caught up with the ever-inspiring Skunk and Nancy front woman, Skin, to ask this question and more. 
Hi, Skin. Hi. I think it's about 805 years since we saw each other. How are you? Uh, you know, I can tell you exactly when it was, like 875 years, actually. <laughs> yeah, totally. You look well. I do. Oh, you know, yeah. the head needs a shave. It grows so fast in this lovely sun. <laughs> um, listen, thank you so much for your time today. I'm really excited to talk to you. And there's, I mean, there's so much we could talk about. You've got this new book, It Takes Blood and Guts. And what was the experience like for you to kind of almost, you know, relive your life, I guess, in a way? Um, yeah, I mean, it was quite funny, really. You know, I mean, how does a skinny little black girl from Brixton end up being in this massive rock band? I mean, what, how, does that, how did that work out and how was that possible? Yeah. One of the things that I've always really admired about you is is the way that you have the honesty, I think, that comes through in your performance and your lyrics and kind of in your storytelling, really. Yeah. And, and I think that that's one of the brilliant things about music is the way that music can kind of almost be a be a platform for, for discussion. Yeah. Was that something that you kind of realised quite quickly with regards to, you know, this is a place that I can really say something. This is a place that I can really make things count and get things across and say what I feel and start conversations? It wasn't a conscious thing, to be honest. It was just that, you know, I grew up in Brixton and I grew up through two Brixton riots, 1981 and 95. So these things were on my doorstep, literally on my doorstep. So it was impossible to ignore. It was part of my everyday experience, you know. You know, it's kind of like if you go up in Scotland, you're going to have a Scottish accent, <laughs> you know, and you're not going to have... <laughs> it's, it's, it's part of you, you don't even think about it. Um, and it was just outside my door. I mean, I, I think I was just... I, I, was, I was raised with the empathy gene. I just had the empathy gene. I was always someone that was like, well, look, you go, you know, that's not fair that's happening to that person and that's not fair that's what's happening to that person. Mm. I wouldn't say I was, like, deeply political. That's all I think about. Like, I live and breathe politics. I'm actually not. I am. It's part of my life. Mm. But, you know, life should just be fair and a lot of the time it isn't. And if there's things that we can do to make it a bit more fair, why, why not? But does music, do you think, help in a way of, of saying that? Yeah, music is... Music, music is a wonderful foghorn, you know. It's kind of like, you know, music gives you a stage and it turns you into a bit of a foghorn. Um, and I think that music really, it's not that music changes things, but I always feel like music is a wonderful anthem for change or anthem for a generation. If you get it right, you can write a lyric that everybody's thinking and feeling at the same time. And so you're summing up the feeling of a generation or a movement or a feeling. Mm. You can really touch a lot of people and make people think. And along with all the other art forms, you know, music, uh, theatre, literature, you know, film, all the other things come together. You can really um, become quite a bit of a, a huge big Wreck-It Ralph fist, you know. <laughs> in, in a film, I love that, when all these little pieces came together and just became a That's giant a... Wreck-It Ralph. I have to say that that is not the analogy I was expecting you to come up with today of Wreck-It Ralph, but I absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that was I was just like, God, you know, all those tiny little, tiny little rounds just got turned into yeah. a monster. Do you think music's quite a unique entity in that music almost can kind of, kind of avoid the gatekeepers in a way? Do you know what I mean? And it can get out there and it can have a place and it can have a platform and it can reach an audience without the kind of gatekeepers being in charge, so to speak. The thing that music has is it's heartfelt and it's so full 
and it's emotional. It's spiritual. It's part of your body. Mm-hmm. Like I always say that the thing about my voice is my voice is in me. So it's like a physical thing in me. When you play guitar, you, you have to go and get guitar and play it. And you put the feel into it. But if you don't put the feel into it, it's going to sound bad, you know. <laughs> Whereas your voice, if you can sing, it's just in you and it comes out. And so whatever you're writing, if you're directly attached to those lyrics and those words, you're going to sing that with an emotion and that's going to touch people. And that's why music is so yeah fantastic. In the book, you say... Um... It's been a a really difficult thing being a a lead singer of a rock band looking like you say, looking like me, and and it still is. Yeah. Why is that, do you think? And do you still feel that way? I think it's because the way society is built, if, you know, you, Edith, decided to be the lead singer of a rap band and you were really good, (laughs) everybody would go, oh, my God, Edith Bowman, she can rap, yeah? She's amazing, she can really rap, you know? And it's lovely and everyone goes mad. It's fantastic. And we've seen many, many examples of that. But when, if I want to go and sing a country western song and I sing it really well, I would get a huge backlash and a huge storm from the country and western world saying country and western is our music, it's more white. And and it's the kind of the same with rock music, even though rock music started with black people and was invented by black by black people. It's seen as kind of a white thing. And mm. when a black person doing what perceives as being white, it's much more difficult. You have a lot more kind of backlash and a lot more pushback than if when white people are doing things that are perceived to be black. Yeah. I've had that from the very early days, you know? Um, and I guess if Black Lives Matter hadn't happened, maybe I wouldn't, I'd still be keeping that to myself because when I've ever said that, people have been like, yeah, but no, no, it's not that, that's not the issue. Actually it is, <laughs> you know? Mm. But the way I saw it, the way I saw it, it is, is it wasn't my problem. I was fine. I was really happy. I finally got to place I wanted to be. So I think sometimes people give you the weight of all their troubles and they go, yes, I don't like you doing this and I don't want you to do this. And it becomes this big boulder yeah. and they pound you the boulder and you have to carry the weight. And you have to turn around and go, yes, no, no you can have that back actually, because it's not my, you know, it really isn't my weight to carry it's your weight to carry you have to change yourself and sort yourself out because i feel great and it's taken me a long time to feel great so i'm not i'm not going to lose that for anybody you know yeah yeah absolutely they're projecting their own prejudices and problems on you yeah what have you have you witnessed music help people understand others and bridge differences i I was on a couple occasions watching rage against machine in those early 90s and then recently i mean songs that they have just really are like someone just it's like a thing going up your spleen and the rage coming out and there's a visceral thing that happens with that music that really makes you feel something and so for me they've always been a great example and especially when you get deep and you you're at a gig and you go mad but when you get deep and you check the lyrics you're like, yeah, that's really sums up what I want to say. Um, and then on the complete opposite side of it is um, uh, Nina Simone's Strange Through. I think Billie Holiday might have sung it first. Mm. But I knew that song from a child and I always loved that song. And Nina Simone was the first record I ever bought. And it wasn't till I was an adult that I actually sat down one day and read the lyrics. And I didn't realise what Strange Fruit were. And Strange Fruit were she was talking about people being lynched and hanging from trees. And that just was like stabbed me in the heart mm. when you realise that 
These are black people, people hanging from trees, being lynched for just being black. And I think if that doesn't change you, you have no soul. Yeah. <laughs> and then the best anthem for change of all time, Free Nelson Mandela. You know, the world was singing Free Nelson Mandela. That was it, Free Nelson Mandela. You know, in three words, it summed up the feeling of two generations. Yeah. And that's how powerful music can be. I loved being kind of reminded of the brilliant moments of Glastonbury this year, obviously because it didn't happen and we got to spend the entire weekend watching brilliant performances, including yours um, from way back when you were the first British female, black British female to headline. Is that the right? Oh, yeah, it was online. It was online, but I don't think they put it together in a show. But uh, do you know, if I'm really, really honest, in those days, and it were different times, in those days, it was never mentioned. I mean, if you remember back to what the, the, the stuff that Jay-Z had to deal with when he had died Blastonbury and all the pushback and the negativity you got, we'll double that and think it was 10, 20 years earlier. Um, we had a lot of negativity, a lot of pushback for headlining Glastonbury because we weren't seen as being a proper rock band because of me. Um, and so certain others of the press really didn't like it and were really negative about it. And so we really did walk on that stage feeling like we had something to prove. But you know, those Glastonbury audiences, you know, they're already, um, whoever's headlining and however you got a headline, they went off. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a, I was the match and there was like a field full of, you know, gunpowder. <laughs> and it was one of the best moments of my life. And it was great. And that's my memory from it, you know, um, not the kind of people who didn't see the concert and reviewed it anyway. Mm. But, you know, I think now, I think I, I didn't even occur to me until recently that I was the first British black woman to, to headline Glastonbury. It wasn't, it, it basically wasn't kind of cool to talk about it in those days. It wasn't something that people wanted to hear. And being the first black woman to do this or black person to do that wasn't something that, it was, there was a bit of negativity towards saying that kind of thing, mm. to be really honest. And now it's wonderful because we can say that and Stormzy can say that. So, I mean, I think that things are changing. They're changing slowly, more slowly, but we're moving on and yeah. different times, different times. Um, listen, it's it's so great to see you and just and congratulations on the book as well. I think it's it's a brilliant thing to do. And I, Thank you so much. A lot of people will, will, will definitely, I mean, it's a fantastic story in itself, but I think, you know, I think there's a lot of things for people to take away from it as well. I hope so, so I hope so. Thank you so much for your time, Skin. Thank you. It's lovely to see you again. You it's too. It's been a real pleasure. It's fair to say I could have talked to Skin for hours. What an absolute treat. Make sure you get hold of our book, It Takes Blood and Guts, which is out on the 24th of September. I feel like we've been on a beautiful and inspiring journey in this episode. Thanks so much again to Skin and to Natty Wilder for their time and thank you for yours. If you want to comment on the podcast or the content or the guests and music, we would love to hear from you. So please write us a wee review. I'm going to leave you today with a track that's a pioneer in the very new subgenre of absurd office funk. Very new as in, I think they've just made it up. The band are called Stats and the main man, Ed Seed, says he harnessed the power of his boring office job to get creative inspiration for his music. The results are brilliant. I hope you like it. This one is Naturalise Me. Won't you make it natural? Naturalise me. I wish I was natural. 
That is so catchy. It's got vibes of LCD sound system meets Scissor Sisters. And I totally get the absurd office funk description. Thanks again for listening to this week's Play Next with BMW. I really hope you enjoyed it. Same time, same place next Wednesday, shall we? Oh, go on then. All you need to do is hit the subscribe button. Until next time, I'm off to listen to Gus Larpeton on repeat. Yes.